This is Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us on the podcast series for Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. This season, you'll hear from 11 women across the state. They were nominated by our listeners. This week, we talk with Heather Holmquist, president of the Maritime Association of South Carolina. Welcome, Heather Holmquist. You are the president of the Maritime Association of South Carolina. Tell us about your work. The Maritime Association of South Carolina is a trade-based member association. We have approximately 240 member companies, mostly in the Charleston area, but now that we have inland ports, we're expanding into other parts of the state. But we are comprised of shipping, trucking, rail, freight forwarders, uh, anyone who moves and touches freight in some way, but that also extends now to maritime law and insurance and banks. Because this industry is the biggest economic driver of our state, it makes sense that we all interconnect and touch in some way. It's the biggest economic driver. That's right. And this is a state that is really growing in manufacturing and services and all sorts of areas, yep. as is the Southeast. How have you seen that growth since you've been here? Well, let's take Amazon as an example. Now we expect our product in one to two days. As our expectations increase, so does the demand. And logistics is the supply chain of how your product gets from its origin to you and everyone who touches it along the way. And this area, Charleston, is the ninth largest port. How did that happen? Amazon is a great example of where growth comes from. When we order our product and we expect it tomorrow or the next day, and we get accustomed to these types of habits, so do our need for commerce and freight movement even faster. As a result, ships are getting bigger and bigger. As a result of the expansion of the Panama Canal, we're deepening our harbor. We're now able to continue that growth pattern. You work in an industry that has traditionally been male-dominated. How have you been able to work in this space and be successful? I suppose that I don't look at it in those terms. I hold my head up and I walk into a room and I shake hands and belong with all of the men and be part of the team and I do my job. Does it help as more women enter this industry to have more of a balance? It certainly does and I'm seeing confidence grow in the women in this industry. They're excited by the fact that they see other women entering into this and that there are opportunities that maybe they'd never thought about venturing into before. I find that women in our industry are becoming more and more embraced, not only that, but sought after. The Charleston Area Maritime Security Committee was recently recognized with a national award. Tell us about that and how are you managing through security, especially cybersecurity? Yes, I'd love to. The U.S. Coast Guard nationally recognized the Maritime Association as well as our local state and federal agencies that form this American Mar Maritime Security Council for heading up the effort to create what I call um, a neighborhood watch type of system, but it's, it's really an information sharing network so that when there are cyber threats, we're keeping each other apprised and we're at the forefront of it. So as an example, Maersk Line was recently hit. As threats like this occur, we're gonna know about it before the next one comes. So tell us about the Waterfront Collective and what you're doing in that area. The Waterfront Collective is a like-minded association, so the Maritime Association is one of them. The Propeller Club of Charleston is another. 
Charleston Women in International Trade, which is great. It's all women in the industry. The Charleston Motor Carriers Association, and then the Customs Brokers and Freight Forwarders Association. We all represent the entire logistics supply chain. And instead of independently working on our initiatives, we decided what better way to, to move forward than as a greater waterfront. These are all port-related industries. So we meet on a monthly basis. We share best practices. Another initiative you have championed is looking for more skilled workers in areas like truck driving and other areas that are very supportive for your industry. What needs to be done? Addressing the labor shortage is one of our number one priorities. The most immediate need that you're gonna see is the need for truck drivers and for skilled labor. As we've gone into schools and have expanded our discussion about workforce and labor, we're finding that Jobs and logistics are, are not on the agenda for discussion. The guidance counselors aren't talking about it. They, they don't know about these positions. But these positions on average in South Carolina pay 40% higher than an entry-level wage coming out of college. So there are ample amounts of opportunity that we think parents may not know about, students may not know about, that are very compelling. People who work in this industry spend their lives in it because they have fruitful lives, big homes, cars, no debt. What does this industry need to do to tell that story? Right now we're working on a branding initiative throughout South Carolina with our Workforce Development Committee to showcase what jobs and logistics look like. One thing that we'd like to do, I, I, I mentioned Amazon before, but somehow showcase this when you press your add to cart button, what happens next all along the way, who touches that freight, what that person makes, what their life looks like, what their day-to-day -day looks like. We've tried to showcase this a little bit via an industry video that we've developed, but it's also about boots on the ground, getting into schools. It's about career fairs. It's economic impact studies. There will be many different avenues to spread this message, but really the opportunity that's here is enormous and, and we need to all band together to find a solution to this problem. So one of the critical issues for South Carolina is what you're saying. That's right. And, it, and that, that'll be more and more evident down the road. How would you define your overriding life vision and how that has translated to success in your career? My overriding life vision is to always create the next challenge that's something that scares me. My chairwoman of our board said to me one time, if you're scared, do it. And so I've taken that with me and encourage other people to, using Sheryl Sandberg's words, but lean in, to create an opportunity where there might not be a perceived one. And a lot of that is in relationships. It's in conversations that you're having. This, this, this industry is all about networking, relationships. So a lot of that is just listening. It, the more that you listen as you're engaging in these conversations, the wheels will turn about what kind of connections you can make, what opportunities that there are. It's, uh, I see networking as not about generating business for myself or for my individual needs, but how can we create a bigger picture? How can we connect the dots? How can we create movement together? And was there a turning point in your life that most contributed to your success? Yes, and this has to do with women in leadership as well, but there was a pivotal moment in my life where I was passed up for promotion, knowing that I was already performing well above my position, my level. I was doing the work of the, my managers above me, and, and I knew that there wasn't 
any justifiable reason to me why I wouldn't have the promotion. And so that day, I walked back into my director's office and I said, thank you for the conversation. I said, I do have a question for you though. Why did I get passed up? And she thought about it for a few moments and she said, let me think about that. She called me back in later in the day and she said, the only thing that came to me was confidence. And, and I said, confidence? And she said, yeah. You don't express what you do. You don't pat yourself on the back. You don't champion yourself. She said, but you are doing the work. And I, she reversed her decision that day. But that was a pivotal moment in my life where I said, it doesn't matter how, it, it may feel egotistical or disingenuous or proud for me to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. But as women, we have to. You have to be your biggest champion and your most vocal advocate. You can't assume that people know what you're doing or will see what you're doing. If you were giving advice to a young woman today, then what would you say? I would say be loud and proud and talk about your accomplishments. Make them be known. As women, we're also often looking at what we're not doing and what we need to do more of instead of what we are doing. And that's a conversation I still have to have with myself every day. And I, sometimes I think it's a daily gratitude act where I need to, along with my to-do list, say, here are three things that, that I feel proud of myself for doing today. What or who gives you the most inspiration? My board of directors is extremely supportive. These are the people that are boots on the ground in the industry. They're decision makers, they're company owners, they're a support system. Anytime I don't have the answer to something, I'm in an environment of safety to say I don't know, but here's, here's my base of experts who do know. And so to, to tap into your network and to, to lean on people, and that's something I have to remind myself to do as well in, in, in that, well, we need to be able to handle everything ourselves. We can't handle everything ourselves. We can't grow that way. So rely on your network, rely on your people, and I've, I, I do believe that people love to be asked for help. That's, that's a show of your respect for them and your reverence for them. And I see people light up when I ask, and I light up when people ask me for help. So we need to lean on each other. What is your hope for South Carolina? And you have been here five years. What do you, what do you hope for this state? I hope to continue to see progress in the way of a better balance of equality, whether it's gender equality or just advancement, is particularly for women in leadership positions here. We have a long way to go. I mean, I don't believe that it's just South Carolina, I think, just. A long way to go in leadership positions versus the general workforce. For, for women specifically, and the same thing with, with pay equality. One of the issues that has affected uh, women and, and men in the last uh, year and a half has been um, the Me Too movement. How do you think that has impacted gender issues? I think that it's just created a dialogue. It's now okay to, to talk about these things. South Carolina in, in particular, it's, I found being a transplant here that it's, it's not always polite to open up that conversation and, and directness can be perceived negatively or as threatening. We can't solve problems together unless we're discussing them. So do you think then it expands the, the dialogue further? It enhances women in other parts of their lives? I do think so. It's an opening of a safe environment for truth to come forward. Whatever that truth looks like for the individual, it's creating the space to talk about it. 
One of the issues women face, many women face, is work-life balance. How do you look at that, and has it been a challenge for you? It has been a challenge, and I think it's a challenge for everybody. Uh, I, I have a new technique I try every day, <laughs> and I'll find what works and I'll find what doesn't, but it's, it's a constant battle of refining. For me, right now, I know when my highest productivity is. So when I come in in the morning, I turn my cell phone completely off. I immediately address my most challenging problems or critical priorities first, get them out of the way. I give myself windows of time where I'm allowed to check my email. I give myself windows of time where I am connecting with others. And one day that may work, two months later I may need to refine that again, but it's not trying to do everything at one time. Since you've been in South Carolina, how have you seen the role of women in terms of business? It's interesting that you asked me that because I've made a distinct observation here that I didn't notice in other states that I've, I've worked in. And as an example, in Chicago, we're all equal business partners and we do our job and we go home. Here, there seems to be a real effort by men in the industry who do believe in what you're doing and see your leadership, that there's more championing and support and lifting women up and embracing them and that they're vocal about it. And so I really feel a, a, a shift and a movement here to, to, to bring a better balance in, in gender equality. Part of what we're doing is talking about education and who was your favorite teacher growing up and why? My favorite teacher growing up was actually one of my college professors. <laughs> she had a way of you needed to learn things for yourself. It wasn't about the subject matter. It was about finding joy in the subject matter. She actually encouraged us to, as we were thinking about our assignments, to, to go and do things like dig our hands in the dirt and to, to just think about the assignment that she gave us. She created the space for thought instead of reaction and just to do. And that's where I find we can easily lose our momentum or lose our focus is when we're just doing, we're always doing. And it's in disconnection sometimes that I feel that the best ideas come or when the passion comes or when you're proud of your work, those moments. Taking time to think is something that we, as our pace of business keeps increasing, we just don't do anymore. In a world of social media and 24-7 cable, how do you disconnect? I am not on social media. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a personal choice for me, but I know it's extremely crucial to y your business and that, it, that it's important. And so you, know, you do it by necessity and some do it better than others. Many people much, much better than me. But my way of disconnecting is to be in relationship, be one-to-one -one with people, to be learning from them, to be listening, to be having a dialogue and to just be with each other. And you don't feel you're missing anything from that communication vehicle of social media? I don't. I actually find that I, I, I learn a lot more than I expected to learn because as the dialogue unfolds, I'm going to learn something about my industry that I didn't know before. I'm going to make a connection of how things work. There's information and learnings that come through that aren't manufactured. If you were talking to a young person who was interested in the position that you have in that leadership position, what advice would you have? I'd encourage them to not be afraid of controversy. 
to address situations head on and with confidence, to get out there, get to know people, get to know their businesses, get to know your customers. For me, we have many companies that have their hands in all different sorts of industries. So it's taking time to go visit their offices, to take a tour, to learn how things connect. So it's, it's not just going to work and doing your day-to-day -day job, but it's putting yourself in positions to, to learn more, to discover, to build relationships, and to really create more than a job. What do you find most satisfying about your job, and then on the opposite, the most challenging? What I find most satisfying about my job is that there's unlimited opportunity for growth. No two days are the same. I enjoy the company of those that I work around and with. I'm learning on a daily basis. I'm learning both at my office for myself, but I'm also learning from those in my industry. And I'm creating challenges for myself that others get behind and get involved in and, and want to be a part of. And this, we've grown so much in the two years that I've been at least in this leadership position. I can only imagine the possibilities for when momentum starts to build and we work as a, as a United Network. This is, it's all the port-related industries. It's it, just like the supply chain. I feel like in any business, you've got to have that connection. And what about challenges? What is the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge is reminding myself every day that it doesn't matter what anyone expects or thinks for me to do in my position. The biggest challenge is asking myself what the right thing to do is. And when there are challenges, it's a difficult, anyone in this industry will say it's, it's, it can be, it can be cutthroat. It can be difficult. It can be a very emotionally challenging environment to be in. If a challenge presents itself, I directly approach it. Let's say I'm having a, a disagreement. Get into it, open up the dialogue. Everyone that you work with is entitled to an opinion. Not everyone is gonna like you. Not everyone is going to, to champion you. It doesn't matter, it's, it's business. It's having the confidence to say it really doesn't matter what emotions are going on inside me right now. It's, it's, there's a problem that's happened and the problem needs to be solved and everything else needs to fall by the wayside. You seem to be able to take the emotion out of a situation and then handle the problem solving. How do you do that? I began to evaluate what women often do in, in the workplace. And I, I, I noticed a pattern that a lot of the dialogue was emotionally charged. And to me, that set up an immediate boundary or barrier. So as I started to evaluate those, those patterns, I, I, I asked myself, what, what is it that causes us to, to bring the emotion in and what is, the, what is the outcome of that? And the outcome tends to be, while we feel the emotion, the issue itself can be skewed or a, a different lens is created that may not be there if we just strip the conversation down to what is the problem and how do we resolve it. Carrying that forward, the first thing that I, I do is say, we, we have these feelings, they're there, but I, it's, and it's okay to recognize them. So to recognize the feeling, this doesn't feel good, it's not comfortable, it, they're not gonna like what I have to say, it's okay to feel those things, but then to push that aside and say, okay, 
let, let me deal with that when I'm going to sleep at night and figure out how to resolve that. But right now in this room, this is what needs to be, this is what needs to happen. So at that moment, taking that emotion yes. out of it yes. and looking specifically at the problem and how to solve it. Well, and so many problems are created by contention between people and we, we waste a lot of time on it and it's, it's just business. And finally, how would you define leadership? Leadership is an art to me. It's, it's not a finite thing. It's giving your team a safe space to do what they do best. It's taking my own skills to the next level. It's thriving from challenges, making challenge a good thing. It's inspecting my work on a daily basis, but also those, the work that's around me. But in inspection, creating the space and the safety for people to know that mistakes are okay What's the, what's the end goal that we're trying to get to? And all of the, the things that I find many people get absorbed in is the emotion, and the, a lot of it comes back down to emotion that can be draining in your day-to-day -day job. You spend most of your time at work. So, so continuing to, to refine the art of bringing that back around to what problem are we trying to solve? And problem solving is an art in itself. And how can we do that in community and with a positive outcome? Thank you very much, Heather Holmquist. Thank you. You've been listening to Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. You can find video stories and other resources on Know It All and SCETV.org. Subscribe to this podcast on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, or wherever you find podcasts to hear the rest of stories from this season. The producer of Women Vision SC for South Carolina Public Radio and the podcast series is A.T. Shire. William Richardson is the producer-director of the television series. Zhao Yu is associate producer. Tyora Moody is web manager. Special thanks to Bobby Kennedy, director of special projects. For SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio, I'm Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>